0: Welcome to the Is That So Podcast. My name is Sahela and I am the host and chief content officer here at the Is That So Podcast. Follow along each week as I share stories, pose questions, and provide insights on various wellness, travel, and relationship topics aimed to help us all navigate through this rapidly evolving modern world a little bit easier. Here at the Is That So Podcast, we believe that life should always be a work in progress. So come learn, laugh, and listen in on unfiltered stories and conversations so that we can open new doors to inspiration, happiness, and forward thinking together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Is That So podcast. Today on the podcast, I wanted to talk to you about self-sabotage. The reason why I wanted to talk to you about this topic is because, well... (laughs) I haven't really been having that great of a week. Truthfully, I've been having a really hard time. My negative self-talk has stirred up a lot of battling emotions, and basically, I started off the week by kicking the shit out of myself, and it fucking sucked. It was so bad. I mean, I know a lot of people can relate to this, and I know a lot of you have let that little voice in your head, you know, that... (laughs) Asshole, bitch, Karen-type character who never keeps her mouth shut and always has something negative to say when she just goes to town on your confidence and you just unravel. Don't you just hate it when that happens? You're grinding, you're doing okay, perhaps not where you want to be, but still focused on your goals and motivated to achieve them. And then that little voice comes and Bruce Lee backspin roundhouse kicks you at your weakest point and you just crumble to your knees. Yeah, that was me earlier this week, crushed like an empty beer can. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) This episode is going to be juicy, and in some ways, it is. (laughs) I can actually already start to feel myself get uncomfortable while talking about my vulnerable state earlier this week, which means I'm right on track. (laughs) I know that because what I'm going to share with you today is not only made for you to better understand what's holding you back, but It's also for me, so that I can move forward. I am well aware how that may come off as a bit cryptic right now, but by the end of this episode, it will make more sense. I promise. (laughs) Before we get into it, though, I first wanted to talk to you candidly about how I've been feeling and also caution you that this may be triggering for some. Essentially, I have been feeling frustrated. And through my frustration, I have also managed to stir up a lot of self doubt and worthlessness along with it. Sound familiar? That little negative voice in my head told me this week that I will never be a successful entrepreneur, that I am not smart enough, and that I should give up because I'm too stupid to figure out how to thrive. It told me that nobody cares about what I'm doing and those that do actually only do because they pity me. It also said that I should be embarrassed for talking about being sexually assaulted and airing my dirty laundry. And now everyone knows just how broken I am. It also told me that instead of helping others, I'm actually showing the world how unworthy I am and how I'm literally a batshit crazy person who talks about hearing negative voices in my head like someone who is schizophrenic. Yeah, it literally just said that last bit to me as I'm recording this. (laughs) I will admit, saying what is going on in my head aloud on a podcast is not only terrifying, but also incredibly awakening, because I can clearly hear my inner voice gaslighting me. That alone clearly shows that it doesn't want me to talk about my shame, my regret, and my biggest fears, because if I do, if I talk about what's holding me back, it will be out there in the world, open to examination and dissection, at which point it also loses its power. Have you ever heard the expression, a secret only has power if you keep it a secret? Well, that is how shame, fear, self-doubt, and regret thrive. They make you question yourself, eat away at your confidence, so you begin to self-sabotage until eventually you just give up, because that's the end goal. And if you waver, even for a moment, your shame, your fear, your self-doubt and regret will take any opportunity you give them to take you down. So why do people self-sabotage? Why do we let a negative inner voice control how we feel on a day-to-day basis and question our own potential? I mean, if that voice belonged to someone else and they had said all those negative opinions to you, would you not think they were a bitch? I know I would. As a matter of fact, I would run as fast as I could in the opposite direction because I don't want people like that in my life. So why do I accept it from myself? Well, there are a few reasons why people self-sabotage. For one, it could be due to low sense of self-worth. Ironically, a lot of people feel they are undeserving of success and happiness and use work to make up for inadequacies they see in themselves. These people hate themselves so much that they overwork themselves until they have no one close around them or are burnt out because deep down, they think they're unworthy of true happiness. This is also applicable for relationships. Some people believe they are not worthy of happiness or a good partner, so they will make up issues with the relationship and push away their potential partner before things get too serious. They could be using excuses like, I'm not good enough for you, I'm really busy right now and don't have time for this. It would never work out anyways. I've seen this happen countless times and have even experienced it myself when I try to self-sabotage my own romantic relationships. Another reason why people self-sabotage is for control. Sometimes it feels better to have control over your own failure rather than face the possibility of it blindsiding you and taking you by surprise. Self-sabotage is never a fun thing to do, but it can feel better than spinning out of control for some people. For me, at the beginning of the previous romantic relationship I just mentioned, I could feel myself start to really like the person. I actually liked them so much that I started to convince myself that it probably wouldn't work out. And instead of waiting to see and allowing the relationship to evolve naturally, I freaked out. And thought it would be best to end it. I had zero chill. (laughs) My insecurities sabotaged the relationship's success before it even began because I wasn't patient enough to see how things would play out over time. And I needed to control the narrative before I got seriously hurt. This way, at least if I'm steering the ship, if it ends up going up in flames, I feel more in control versus the ship blowing up in my face unexpectedly. Self-sabotage can also come in the form of imposter syndrome, which are feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evidence of past success or external proof of being competent. This can result in someone doing the bare minimum and putting the least amount of effort into something so they can act like it doesn't mean that much to them in the first place. Or on the other hand, if a person is still finding their footing and feels unsure of their own capabilities, they question whether they are smart enough for that job and torture themselves with the possibility of being humiliated when it all becomes revealed to the world that they can't cut it. I think imposter syndrome is quite common in today's society. Even some of my smartest, most successful friends have suffered from it, and it usually can take months to fade away. We always want instant success, instant gratification, instant praise, when really we need to give ourselves time to learn, adapt, and grow before we can really start to feel comfortable with our own capabilities, especially when we're starting a new role. Have patience and trust the process. Thomas Edison famously said after inventing the light bulb, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Instant success is as probable as winning the lottery, and most people have to fail multiple times before they can find the right formula for success. Instead, learn to normalize failure as an opportunity to grow instead of a limit to a person's capabilities. On the flip side of imposter syndrome, some people will self-sabotage because they want a scapegoat. If they feel like their partner is not happy in their relationship and there's a possibility that they are going to leave... They will cheat or avoid their partners entirely as a way of giving themselves an excuse for why things didn't work out. This could sound like, well, I was always working, so of course they weren't happy, but at least I was trying to build a better life for my family. Or, of course he left. I cheated on him. I just wasn't committed to the relationship in the first place. A self-sabotaging scapegoat can also go beyond relationships and be used for reasonings behind why you failed a class or didn't get a promotion. It's easier to pawn off your failures on saying, well, you know, I never paid attention in class instead of I didn't understand the material or my boss plays favorites instead of I failed to show I was more capable for the job. Using scapegoats are an easy way for people to brush off their own failures or unwillingness to address and recorrect their own behaviors. Another reason why people self-sabotage is because they lack motivation and find the task at hand. Boring. We have all been there. You have a list of stuff you need to do, but instead you procrastinate until it becomes too late to get any of it done. Instead of studying for that test, we watch one more episode of Netflix and fall short the next day when we go to write it. I know I'm often guilty of doing all the little easy stuff on my to-do lists first, instead of investing my time on the bigger tasks that would actually move the needle forward because they just seem so daunting. This often tends to lead to feelings of being perpetually stuck in one place because I'm faking productivity. I'm not actually doing anything productive to achieve my goals. I'm only maintaining what I've done so far, which perpetuates the vicious cycle of lacking further motivation because I'm not seeing any progress. Does this sound familiar? I know I'm not the only one who does this. A lack of motivation is also how we find excuses for focusing on other things besides the task at hand, like needing to clean your apartment or folding laundry before you can actually sit down and get to work. My self-sabotaging inner dialogue that started earlier this week was because I was feeling frustrated. My lack of patience made feelings of self-doubt and worthlessness bubble up to the surface and in turn, I sabotaged further progress by berating myself with negative inner dialogue. In turn, this affected my motivation, my self-worth, and filled me with self-doubt. And it put me in such a low state that I wasn't capable of achieving what I wanted to for the rest of the week. As a result, I went on a bit of a self-help bender. And what I soon realized was that self-sabotage is all about a resistance to change. And at the root of this resistance, a negative inner dialogue finds its power in the fact that it is challenging for a person to face truth about themselves. It's hard to do what is necessary to heal old wounds. It is hard to overcome fear of being judged or criticized. It is hard to take a leap of faith and go for the unknown. It is hard to be vulnerable and let go of shame. Naturally, all we want to do is take the easiest route. And so often we just give up, let the opportunity pass us by, or in my case, beat myself up. And so realizing this, I decided to dig a little deeper in hopes that I will be able to uncover the root of this self-destructive behavior and face it head on. What I concluded was that everything that has been holding me back from achieving the thing I desire most boils down to one key concept, understanding shame. Learning about it, understanding how it plays into my life and how I am personally affected by it has as an individual, not only helped me become more emotionally aware of my own actions, but also killed any power my negative inner dialogue had over me. It showed me how important it was to share and talk about what I'm feeling and how freeing it can be. And for that reason alone, I knew I had to create this episode. I knew I had to not only lead by example, but share what I found out so that you can also use this information to benefit you. Are you ready? Now I'm getting happy. (laughs) First and foremost, we must understand that connection is why we are all here. The ability to feel connection is what drives us as a society. There are literally industries built around making it easier to connect with each other. And because we have this innate desire to stay connected, our biggest fear and where shame thrives is the worry of being disconnected. As a matter of fact, if shame is the threat of being unlovable, it can also become an experienced trauma if it begins to threaten a person's survival which is why it can have such a powerful effect on someone. Here's the thing about shame though. It loses its power when you talk about whatever it is that is causing you to feel shame in the first place because at its core, shame requires you to believe that you are alone in order to maintain its power. If you have the courage to be imperfect and work towards having compassion for yourself and others, You can embrace vulnerability and shame loses all control over you. The question then becomes, how can you achieve those things? Well, we have to do some rewiring because most people associate being vulnerable with weakness, uncertain risk, and exposure. But in truth, it's about daring greatly. Let me ask you, have you ever heard someone share a vulnerable story and talk about a traumatic experience and think, wow, that must have taken a lot of courage? I know I have many times. Do you pity them? Do you look down upon them afterwards? Did you not want to associate with them? No. We so often picture ourselves in these situations and cringe with embarrassment. It makes us uncomfortable just thinking about it. So we naturally become less interested in doing it. We begin to think of ourselves as weak and run away from the possibility of exposing our truth for we are unsure of the risk that may come from exposing our shame. But again, we are resisting change. We are playing safe. We are allowing shame to have power over us. However, if we embrace the fact that nobody is perfect and begin to understand that being imperfect is not a curse, but completely natural then we can find the courage to share and see the beauty in rawness. There is courage in saying our truth and there is an opportunity for relief from internal struggle. If you can rewire your brain so that you can believe that what makes you vulnerable also makes you beautiful, then it becomes a lot easier to accept parts of ourselves that once filled us with shame. Sure, it may not be comfortable to share, but it's also not supposed to be easy. That is, after all, how shame keeps its power. It is banking on the fact that you will take the easier route. Talking about how you're feeling, saying it out loud, sharing your feelings not only makes it easier to expose what is really holding you back, but also frees you from the power it has over you. Learning to embrace imperfection, believe it or not, also makes you more relatable and beautiful because it gives you an opportunity to connect with others through a shared experience which can give you a sense of belonging through empathy we can actually connect better with others we can build connections feel less alone find acceptance for ourselves and more importantly move forward away from our deepest fears we are able to turn to ourselves and finally say i am capable i am deserving and i am enough Three statements shame tries to destroy in us if we let it. One of the videos I watched while on my self-help binge was Brene Brown's TED Talk about the power of vulnerability, which at this moment has over 48 million views, and I'm happy to add it to the show notes if you guys haven't seen it yet. Anyways, in her presentation, she said, shame needs three things to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. And when we numb vulnerability, we are also numbing joy, gratitude, happiness, purpose, creativity, a sense of belonging, love, and meaning. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but if you can find the courage to embrace your vulnerability, to be imperfectly authentic, to talk about what you are scared of, you are also opening the door to beauty, growth, and healing— And that is how you move forward when that little tiny voice in your head tells you you can't. All right, there you have it. Everything I know to help you understand shame, why you might be self-sabotaging, as well as why it's so important to embrace vulnerability and share what you're feeling with others. If you are interested in learning more about this topic, I am so happy to share some links in my show notes to the videos, talks, and articles I found while on my self-help binge. Before you go though, I just wanted to thank you once again for coming and joining me today. And if you have any comments about this episode, please feel free to leave them in the comment section of my show notes. All right? I hope everyone has a great week embracing vulnerability and I'll see you guys again next Monday. Ciao! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Is That So podcast. For more information on this episode and all past episodes, you can check out my show notes on isthatso.com or follow me on Instagram at isthatso. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show your personal support to the podcast, simply leave a review on iTunes or screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your stories. All right, friends, that's it. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Is That So podcast. And I look forward to hanging out with you again soon.